This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 154. Well, knowing what your gut is telling you is such a key piece of discerning your strengths. This is proof positive that anytime I ignore my gut, it's always bad. So some of the biggest misconceptions around strengths are, I think, first, that they only show up in your work life. Hey, HTYCers. If you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight-day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Hey, this is Scott Anthony Barlow, and this is the Happen to Your Career podcast. This is the show where you get to figure out what type of work uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what I say, so I better pull up one of those. There we go. <laughs> I'm so dependent on the Google Talk now. All right, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> no. Jeez, maybe we should record this way every time. Uh, <laughs> you get bloopers out of it. This is Scott Anthony. <laughs> Dang it, Josh. Throwing me off my game. Like there was much to start with. <laughs> Let's see. All right, I'm going. I'm going live. No laughing in the background, you. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out work that fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on all kinds of experts like, well, Lisa Lewis, who is actually on the show today. We, we traditionally talk about other people that have gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. These are people that are just like you. So I've got to tell you a little bit about Lisa Lewis, um, but I'm not, not going to go into her entire story because you can actually do that. You heard her on the podcast on episode 147. You can go back to that, but she is our Happen to Your Career career coach. And she works with with our programs. For more details, that go back to episode 147. You can take a listen. I think you'll absolutely, absolutely love it. It is, in fact, here, fun fact behind the scenes, it is our most downloaded episode. So we thought, hey, this is working. You love Lisa possibly more than you love me. Oh, tear. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm cool with it. And we should get her back on the episode. So we did. So... The funny thing is, it starts out with a pretty interesting question. How old are you? It's a pretty direct question to ask a lady. I was just, <laughs> it is, I'm sorry, I'm very direct. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's, uh, was that a good dodge? <laughs> well, no, I'm coming, I'm bringing it back around, so. I was okay. just looking at Some the. Some people, that's enough. Some people, you <laughs> drop that on them, and they're like, "Oh." 
I was just thinking one of the reasons that we originally wanted to, like we were talking about this way back when and like, ah, Lisa would be great to get in there, uh, was, um, because the target market for this particular guide is the same as our CCB market. So it's 27 to 35 year old women. And not that you have to perfectly fit into that. It's just, I was just thinking, it's like, I have no idea how old Lisa is. Ultimately, because it really doesn't matter, and that's why we haven't had that conversation up till now, but I was just curious. I'll tell you how old I am if you tell me how old you are. All right. All right. I... Hold on, hold on. Because I'm going to make you guess how old I am then. So uh, <laughs> so we, uh, I'll get, in return, I'll guess how old I think you are. Okay. Deal. Right. Okay. So if I'm going based on wisdom, I would say you're probably... Um, like 29-ish, but I'm not sure that you look uh, that. I'd say like, actually, if I'm going based on wisdom, I would say more like 32-ish, but I don't think that there's any way that you are anywhere close to 32. I think it's a lot younger than that. This is a great game. So, okay, with your... With your 29 guess, are you are you being conservative or being liberal with that? I am being... Um, my initial thought was actually that you are younger than 29. And because you look younger than 29. However... Uh, so then I upgraded it because I'm like, well, I hired you because actually you seem way, 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 way older. Um, but then I added, I like mentally, I meant, went through this mental adding and subtraction of everything and somehow landed on like 32 ish. Uh, and then afterwards realized that that probably wasn't right either. And I was calculating for my calculations. <laughs> so I don't even know. <laughs> This oh, is a dangerous so game. Yeah. So this is actually really funny. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. Okay. So um, my boyfriend and I, we go wine tasting a yeah. ton. It's a thing that you can do all the time in Virginia. And we started going out to vineyards and noticing that 50% of the time we were getting carded and 50% of the time we weren't getting carded. Mm. And he is about a year younger than I am. So we made a, a bet or we made a deal that if we do get carded at a vineyard, it's because he has a baby face. So he is bringing our net age down. Uh, and if we get carded and it's because of him, he has to pay for both tastings. But on the flip side, if we don't get carded, it's because I am bringing the uh, the age the experience to our wine tasting pair. And so uh, I have to pay. <laughs> that is hilarious. I think he's going to win out in the long game on that one. Pretty sure. But I... right now it's working out for me. <laughs> You're ahead at the moment? I, I am ahead. Ooh. As long as okay, it's not Scott. the same time as lottery odds or something. then Because <laughs> otherwise you need to quit while you're ahead. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the verdict okay. is I will I will tell you my age. I am twenty eight. Oh. 
You should have gone with your very, very first gut instinct. I know. See, this you is would have been spot on. This is proof positive that anytime I ignore my gut, it's always bad. That is true with life. It kind of is. Oh my goodness. Well, knowing what your gut is telling you is such a key piece of discerning your strengths. Oh my goodness. It it is. Um I'll I'll share a okay, so since you have been kind enough to divulge your age and I would say that um, on a serious note, I do think interacting with you, you seem way older than that in a good way, in all the ways that are good. Well, I appreciate that. And that's why I'm super curious how old you are. All right. Okay. Let's... Because I, I could see a range of being anywhere between 29 and 39. And I, I have... So based on the fact that you have three kids and uh, this wonderful wife, I'm sort of wanting to skew you towards the mid thirties, but you were, you're just dang smart. So I could see you secretly being like 30 or 31 and having built this, this empire and all these amazing tools to help people. So there you go. I have six guesses in one range. That help was, me. Help, that help was, the sister out. I am, I am 54 and <laughs> I, okay. Now you're totally now you're totally <laughs> lying. That's dog years. How old are you in human oh, years? Oh, okay. Uh, I am actually. How old am I? Hold on, I might not know. Um, is that bad? Let's see. I am. I am 34. I'm going to turn 35. So you, you're. Look at that. Your initial gut was right on. Mid 30s. Very nice. But well, I, I, if we could reach through the internet and give you like a high five or a pat on the back for all that you've accomplished, I would do that because that's pretty phenomenal. And that I think is another data point towards what can happen if you lean into your strengths. Oh my goodness. That is, that is a great place to kick this off. That is, I think you're so right about that. Oh my goodness. We have, but we've got countless examples of that too. Like I, I think about um, and I've told this story a couple of different times, but I always think about Maggie just cause she was one of our, she's one of our first customers, right? Like she came on back long before we knew even how to run this business really. Like we're just helping people and whatever. And, you know, she came to us pretty, pretty overwhelmed and kind of over her job and didn't really have any clue what she wanted to do. The thing she came to us with is she's like, I kind of like teaching. So what does that get me? I like helping other people and I like teaching, right? And it ended up helping her really kind of pin that down and, and look at a couple of different ways that that, um, that could end up being a profession and really kind of pulling, pulling back the surface and really discovering what does that actually mean? Like what does is, what is teaching mean or where does that even come from or what are the real strengths behind that? And discovered that she really likes helping people have uh, kind of aha moments and has kind of this unique ability to really get people to to realize because she gets people all amped up. And and when you're talking to her, it's she's kind of lit on fire so she can get across concepts that other people just can't. So she ended up moving into training and development. But when she was aligned with her strengths, she got a promotion and that happened within like 14 months because like it's easy for her. She's already doing that stuff and it just happens to be exactly what they need in that, that type of role. So, you know, I think about that, that type of story. Um, but yeah, that's, 
that's kind of, I don't know, setting the groundwork for what we, what we get to talk about today because strengths, I think, are kind of the backbone of this company. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot because that's what I do around here, I guess, as the podcast host. You ready for this? I'm not afraid. Let's okay. do it. All right. It's not any more age questions either. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got myself in trouble there. Um so different different question though. You know, what as a coach, you know, as you have um as you've been working with people, what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions are around strengths? Ooh, okay. This is a good one. Um, so some of the biggest misconceptions around strengths are, I think, first, that they only show up in your work life. And I think that sometimes when people are thinking about identifying strengths, they put on these blinders to only take a look at their professional experience and the specific roles that they have been in since since they graduated from whatever sort of educational path that they've the been dawn on. dawn of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and even they don't, they don't necessarily go back to the dawn of time either, because I think if you take those blinders off and you look at who were you when no one was looking in mm. middle school, like what were the things that you just naturally did or you naturally paid attention to or you had these secret gifts of that people around you didn't. And similarly, I think that your strengths oftentimes show up in the type of things that you do in your free time. Because there's this this interesting pressure, I think, that a lot of people put on themselves in terms of their career and having to make the right moves and do everything right and never make mistakes. And in your spare time, in that after school time, if you will, folks are much more willing to be gentle and kind and exploratory. And I think that those sort of perspectives and mindsets help for you to naturally explore your strengths or naturally grow and improve your strengths. You know, I I can't even think of the number of times when I've been talking to somebody that I've been working with and they talk about some of the volunteer work that they do, or they talk about the reputation they have in their family for being a person who has certain talents or certain gifts. And that narrative or that story becomes the through line that underpins everything they've done in their careers. Like one of my favorite things to do with coaching clients sometimes when they're feeling particularly stuck is just to say, okay, Walk me through, you know, since the very beginning of your employment history, like that very first job that you sought out when you were a, a high schooler or a middle schooler or whatever it was, and walk me through all the different jobs that you've done in that time. And some of the earlier jobs that you would take when people, you know, weren't paying as much attention and didn't put as much pressure on you and you didn't put as much pressure on yourself tend to have some really good indicators of things that if you go back to or you lean on those um, those parts of yourself can help bring some happiness back into your work and into your life really quickly. That, that's super interesting. I was, I was thinking about a couple of pieces of what you said. And I think that misconception or that those blinders that people put on, I think is what you called it, where it's like, oh, I can only focus on 
like my professional life and which is funny because you know these are the same people that we're working with that are you know working in their 9 to 5 very often that aren't enjoying life as much as they could be and then we're reaching into the very stuff that <laughs> that we're not enjoying which is usually because of a at least partially because of a misalignment in either strengths or values right and then that's that's the pool we're trying to draw from and then at the same time it also i think you made a really really good point that people are focused on this point in time after they've already accepted that work has to be a certain way cuz you kind of you, you know you're born and you don't know anything or even what to expect and then you get expectations put on you like what is normal in our society and what is uh, whatever else. So at the point in time where people have started to accept that, hey, work can't be fun, uh, you know, it can't be aligned, then that's the part where we're trying to draw from for our strengths. And that's no good. That seems like a backwards way to approach it. So I really like your point in that, hey, let's look outside of that. So um, another thing that you mentioned, though, Lisa, you said, you know, you started talking about exploring and mistakes, right? And I'm curious about that even even more, too, because I really believe that mistakes are often what make your strengths come out. Like that's that's an area where they start to get exposed a little bit like they start Ooh. to kind of come through the come through the cracks. I don't know. Whatever, oh, yeah. Wait, wait. Say more about that. Say more about that. Well, yeah. I, was, I was as you were talking, I was trying to think about, OK, what's what's true in my own life? Like where. Um, where, how, how have I learned about my strengths? And quite honestly, it hasn't, all the assessments and stuff that I've taken and I've taken, I don't know, probably well over a hundred different types of assessments and those have been good, but I think they've mostly validated and given verbiage to what I already knew and already found out through experimentation. And in some cases, it's unintentional, like forced experimentation. Like when I ran my first business and, you know, had angry customers yelling at me and and how did I react to that? And what did I like about that? What did, how, how did I turn that situation around? And those types of things, like those are those came from screwing stuff up and making mistakes and unintentionally exploring in some cases. Sometimes I'd like to say it was intentional every once in a while, but most of the time it was um, something going wrong and then learning something about myself through that situation. Does that, does that make sense even? Yeah. It, yeah, it, it definitely makes sense because I think you're absolutely right that in moments of panic or moments of crisis, that the innate pieces of us tend to come up to the surface to help us navigate that. And so yeah. I think you're absolutely right that those can be moments when something that you may not have realized is a strength or a natural gifting just bubbles up to the surface and helps you to to navigate it. Um, but I want to back up to, you said something really cool there about how when you were doing these assessments, it gave verbiage to what you already knew. And I actually think that is a huge insight and a huge point um, because sometimes you can know that you can do things, but not realize that not everyone else can do those things Ooh. as well as you can. And I think that women in particular actually really struggle with this because there's so many things that um, that sort of are like categorized as things that women do. And it maybe it's 
organizing, maybe it's planning, maybe it's coordinating, maybe it's communicating. And I think that oftentimes, um, at least in my experience, I tended to write those off in myself because I thought, oh, well, all, all women do that. That's not actually a strength. That's just like a thing. That's just a piece of me. When in reality, they absolutely are strengths. And especially, you know, knowing that at least at stages in my career, I was working in very uh, male heavy environments. They actually became real um, competitive advantages for me. Oh, that's interesting. See, at first I was going to say, why on earth are women expected to do so much? <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that is a fair question in and of itself. Um, but I know, you know when I took the Strength Finder uh, assessment, yeah. I, one of the things that was incredible for me was just realizing, oh, those are strengths. I didn't realize that being able to relate to people is a strength. I just thought that was a thing. <laughs> and And I think that being able to give verbiage to that helps for you to be able to own it and then be able to take that and look for it in future roles and be able to speak to it powerfully in an interview, whether it's an informational interview or a for real job securing interview. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's interesting because we see, I mean, this is the question people come to us with again and again and again, they sort of feel like, Hey, I, I know that I have strengths. I know that I'm good at a lot of different things. I don't know that I can fully articulate what all those are. And even more than that, I have no idea how to how to help employers understand those things so that I get hired because of my strengths, right? Because I think at the at the root of all of that, we sort of want to we want to be accepted for like who who we actually are. That's kind of what's behind that, right? That human human piece that like we want we want other people to like us for us sort of thing, right? Yeah. And along those lines, um we try and translate that over to over to this process. And I, and I think that's where where some of those those types of questions come from or at least yeah, at least stem from a little bit. So that becomes the question. So let's try and unpack that. A little bit here because that's what many many of our listeners are wanting that's what many of our readers come to us for that's what many of um geez even the htyc series that you're working with that's what a lot of them came for if i recall correctly oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay so where do we even start on that one <laughs> so so i, I kind of want to go in the direction of what are some of the the ways that you can tell what a strength is and some of the questions you can be asking yourself? Is that, is that helpful as a point to kick us off? Yeah. And maybe we even go into, okay, so yeah, what what is the definition of, of strengths? Let's use that as a baseline. All right. So um, another one of those misconceptions, I think, is that strengths are skills. Like I just, I just did yeah. two two trainings yesterday, and that came up multiple times throughout the training. It's like, well, okay, so what if I, what if I don't like the stuff I'm really good at, right? And anytime somebody asks that question, I I know just from years of of doing this that what they're really thinking about is skills, 
And skills often are confused with strengths themselves. Skills are an indicator, uh, but they're not necessarily your actual strength. They're a great place to start and understanding. They give clues to what your actual strengths might be, but they're not not necessarily the um, skills itself. So we use this term called signature strengths, right? And signature strengths, the way that we look at it is your unique combination of your predispositions, your personality, your uh, your skills, your experiences, your all of these different things, the way that you're wired, all of these different things rolled into one that essentially make you you and make certain things that you do and how you do them much, much easier compared to anybody else. So like what you were talking about earlier that I forget how you said it, Lisa, but something along the lines of people underestimate that, you know, the things that they're good at are actually strengths, right? Or they, they can be strengths. Okay. So there's, there's kind of a baseline definition for what we talk about when we say signature strengths. It's that combination of stuff. It's not necessarily like, um, like a strength finder theme, like strength finder might give you, you know, your top five themes and it's be like futuristic and then a definition for that. So signature strengths is, is the combination of all that stuff together. Um, okay. So there's, there's a baseline for us. Now let's launch into what you, you just mentioned. Yeah. Okay. So I think one of the interesting things about signature strengths is that they're sort of a composite, right? You have to do a little bit of reading the tea leaves or looking for the through lines and the connective tissues in your story to help identify what those are. Because no assessment is going to to have your signature strengths just like bing, like a little light bulb pop up in front of you. But it will give you data points and it will give you clues that you in your gut can help to pull together. Um, Because one of the things that I think that you sort of mentioned here when when people are defining strengths as skills and they talk about, man, I really hate doing that skill. Um, one of the things I think can help you in the process of discerning your strengths are, well, what is the, what's the piece that I do like? So if the task itself is not working for you, then okay, that is not likely an area of of strength for you. But there might be a strength that's embedded in that that's sort of trapped in a world where the execution or the manifestation of that strength is not working for you. Ooh. Yeah. And and so there's, I think, being able to peel back the layers and ask yourself that question of, you know, if I'm not enjoying doing, say, I do database management right now, and I'm not enjoying doing database management right now, what is it that made me want to get into that? And then you're going to see one data point that's going to help figure out what a signature strength is. And then if you peel back the layers on what you're actually doing as your day-to-day and what the point of discontent is and what you wish you could be doing in the role, there's another data point. You know, if you love solving problems and using numbers to tell stories, but the work that you're doing is just pulling reports or doing troubleshooting or customer service type stuff, and that doesn't feel good to you, figuring out what does feel good to you helps to continue to unpack that. 
And there are there are a couple of books that I've read on strengths um, that help that have some helpful frameworks. So these could be some good mental models to think through if you are <laughs> asking yourself, how on earth do I possibly get to this question of signature strengths? Um, and one of them is this book that I love called The Big Leap. And they talk about this idea of your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. And your zone of excellence is the stuff that you can do that you do pretty darn well, you can do efficiently. But the zone of genius is the stuff that when you're working on it, you lose track of time doing it. And it's the stuff that doesn't feel like work. And usually if you're trying to define what would fit into that zone of genius, it's not going to be a skill per se, but it'll probably be some applied strengths. So nobody is going to say, um, you know, my zone of genius is, say, sending emails to reporters. But my zone of genius might be figuring out the perfect way to craft a pitch so that when I reach out to a reporter, they see exactly how perfect this would be for their audience. You know, it's telling a persuasive story in a way that can move people to action. And when you can get into that level of clarity about what you like doing, you can take that strength and apply it into all kinds of other jobs or all kinds of other opportunities or, or you know, experiments, little volunteer things or little aside projects that can help you to grow that into an even stronger space of gifting for you. So that that is interesting too. I think that's a new concept to many different people. Often we talk about in terms of improving our weaknesses. And I think that mm-hmm. is that's a stupid way to go, to be quite quite <laughs> blunt. It really 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 is because I mean, if you sort of think about it in terms of, okay, if you're taking the stuff that you're terrible at um, and and the things that are not strengths and you're trying to move them from a one to a two and that takes like everything in you to be able to move it for it to double it, essentially go from a one to a two, then that's, that's going to, if you're just thinking you're like, you only have so many hours in your life. That seems like a terrible way to spend time, like a really, truly terrible way to spend time. Maybe you'll learn a little bit out of that. But if I want to instead take something that's a nine to a 10 or a seven to an eight, that's first of all, much, much easier. And those sevens and eights and, and those, those things that are, are your strengths that are much higher up there, they are a lot more fun for you. Just like you said, you know, those are, those are often the areas where you lose track of time. You're doing them anyway. You are having fun as, as you are getting to explore, interact in these particular ways. And that one seems really delightful, potentially. It doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't mean it's not challenging. It doesn't mean it's not hard in some cases. The other sounds really, truly terrible. So (laughs) that's why, yeah. Well, Scott, to be fair, I think while looking back retrospectively, it might be stupid to be focusing on your weaknesses. 
in a lot of companies, that's what employers are encouraging you to do. Like the performance review process so infrequently helps yeah. to encourage you to grow and develop into your true strengths. Um, but goodness, does it reveal all the things that people think that you don't do well enough in your current role. And there's so many managers that when you're having that conversation, want to focus exclusively on, you know, okay, well, how do we put together a learning plan for you to get better at those things instead of thinking a little bit more broadly and creatively about, okay, how do we get those off your plate? Or how do we design your workflow in such a way that you don't have to utilize those skills? Or how do we set up systems so that you don't have to worry about that kind of thing anymore? So it's, it's certainly not because people are trying to be stupid, but it is definitely because there are some incentives and systems in place yes. in a lot of jobs that actively discourage you from focusing on your strengths because what ends up in the documentation and in the paperwork with HR is a majority of things that people want you to get better at. That is, oh my goodness. So that could launch us on a conversation that would take up seven podcasts because I have a lot of opinions <laughs> on that because I've designed those those types Being of processes. Yeah. yeah. And been responsible for making those really, really effective and tried out a lot of stuff, had it not work. And the conclusion that I've come to is I think what you were alluding to, which is it's not that it's not that the process itself it, first of all, yeah, you just acknowledged that the process itself in most organizations really, really discourages what is helpful and then focuses on what is very, very unhelpful. So I think I would even move a step back beyond that. I think that that process is trying to solve for the wrong problem. I think that the real problem is that most people are just not aligned with the type of work and type of environments and type of people that they probably should be. So they're not having as much fun. And then it becomes this case of, well, you do all these things wrong. So obviously it's your fault, right? Let's, let's figure out how to improve you instead of working with the stuff that you're already great at. So I think it, it comes down to a misalignment issue. And then we've got all of these systems that are put into place, like giving performance reviews and really focusing on your weaknesses and blah, 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 that are, um, there's, they're really, truly solving for the wrong problem. So that, okay, I'm off my soapbox for at least half a second. <laughs> well, Scott, I think the, like the most important thing, the most important takeaway message from that is that if you have been in this situation where you feel like no matter what you do, you keep getting feedback about things to improve rather than things to keep growing. Number one, you are not alone. Yeah. You are not a special and unique snowflake who is uniquely <laughs> experiencing this pain and struggle. This is a pain and struggle that a lot of people, a lot of people in the workforce are experiencing. And number two, that misalignment is solvable. Whether or not your manager or your department or your company has the vision to figure out how to figure how to find an opportunity that is better aligned for you within the organization. I think you should feel as empowered as possible to figure out what's going to fit for you because nobody cares about your career and your happiness as much as you do. Hopefully. <laughs> well, it would be cool if other people did care about your career and happiness as much as you do. But for the majority of folks, you've got to be your biggest champion and biggest advocate yeah. and get out there and do the work to really know who you are 
in your gut and in your soul and in your heart so that you can make sure that every step that you're taking is directionally correct and in alignment with that. So this is this is perfect a perfect jumping off point because um, I really feel like you and I could probably, we probably could have like seven different podcasts on 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 this actually on this exact note and I want to give people a resource to fill in some of the gaps here because there's no way we're going to be able to talk about all of this so we we've actually created a guide and I'll. I'll give you a little bit more information here, but we've created a guide. If you head over to happenyourcareer.com and then go click on guides, then that will that'll actually allow you to get to our definitive guide for getting hired based on your signature strengths. And that will that'll fill in some of the other ways to go about this. But I, I wanna spend I wanna spend just a few minutes talking about here before we have to before we have to wrap up about this whole entire, this question that we started out with, which was, okay, so how do I get hired based on my strengths? Like, what, what do I, what do I need to do, Lisa? Like, can I just get hired based on, I mean, I'm good at these things. So, so let's say, let's assume that I know what my strengths are in the first place. And if you don't go check out that guide, that'll, that'll get you started down that process. Um, certainly we can help with that. That's a lot of what we do as well. And Lisa, you're phenomenal at that. The Jumping past that point, though, and saying, okay, let's assume for a second I already have a good idea of what my strengths are. Like, how do I use those to go get me get me some job offers? How do I get me some job offers, Lisa? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is like the crux, right? If you can nail this, whatever job you end up in is going to be such a good fit. It's going to feel like you just arrived home. <laughs> like you are like you're a college student who got to summer vacation and like you just get to come home and just breathe and just feel that ease and comfort and that fit of what you're walking into. And the parents are doing and- laundry and like <laughs> your old cats I mean, sitting there. I mean if you get a job at Google, those could even be legitimate perks. But <laughs> I think the the key is once you figure out what your signature strengths are and what you love to do, when you're walking into an interview, the hiring manager does not care about you per se. What they care about is the pain point that they have that is causing them to invest tens of thousands of dollars, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars in getting the right person on the bus to help their organization grow and become even more prosperous, even more impactful, even more effective. So the question that you want to spend a little time thinking about and brainstorming and prepping yourself on before you walk into that interview is how do my applied strengths help make this organization better? And how do I talk about that from past experience? Because you're going to get plenty of questions that say, so tell me about a time when you blah, blah, blah. And it would be great to have already primed yourself with an arsenal of those stories so that you know exactly how to paint this picture for the hiring manager of how well you've solved these sort of problems in the past and could solve them for this new company. Um, But then also thinking about how you can weave that into questions that are even as simple as the, so tell us about yourself. 
question or the, so why do you want to work here question? Because if you can figure out how the applied versions of your strengths can match up with exactly what they're needing in that role, then then your money, you're doing all the work for them. You're saying, you know, please, I'll make it even easier to hire me. Let me tell you about how great this is going to be once you get me on board. That, that's perfect. And I think what my takeaways out of that are you need to think about it from their terms, not your terms. So you need to think about and I'm pausing only because anytime any, I hear anybody say, you need to think about this, <laughs> that just gives me pause. So I'm hearing that come out of my mouth. But what I would what I would really encourage you to think about it or the lens that I'd, I'd encourage you to think about it through would be how do you put yourself in their shoes for what they want and need and allows them to be able to sleep at night, solves their problems, really actively makes them feel good about bringing you on board and want to and want to and be like really really excited to be able to have you be a part of their their team because you are making their life easier and going to make them look good and at the same time they just like you um and i think that that can happen through strengths but it doesn't happen it usually doesn't happen accidentally I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have to be so intentional and thoughtful. And, you know, I, I know some of the, the biggest nervousness or biggest resistance about doing that level of prep before you walk into a role is, you know, well, I don't know if I really want the job or I don't know if I'm going to get it, even if I invest all this time, but it's such a good practice to go through, to understand how, what gifts you have can be amplified and leveraged and expanded for a future employer just for your own personal knowledge that it can make you even more marketable in future positions, even if it doesn't feel like the position that you interviewed for ultimately would be the perfect fit or the right next move for you. We know what's interesting too is that along those lines, most people miss the logic that Yes, I'm going to throw logic in here. Oh my goodness, here we go. Um, and when we're talking about something like strengths and all emotional and whatever else. But I, I think that most people have a tendency, including myself, I did for many years. But we miss the fact that we have to do our due diligence in lining up better, better companies, better opportunities, better situations, better environments that are more likely to benefit from our particular set of strengths. Because when we do that, then of course, when you show up to the interview, like you stand out, right? Yeah. It's, it, it's like stacking the deck in your favor is really, really all it is. And for some reason we have this really, really massive misconception that we have to simply take whatever happens to be on, um, I don't know, glassdoor.com or on um, indeed.com or career builder or whatever jobs are posted wherever they happen to be, right? And you know that that ends up not being a very good way to to look at it. First of all, because even for those posted jobs, often it's people that they already know or already 
um, have had some type of interaction with that end up getting those roles more often than not. Um, but then at the same time, you know, it, it, there's all different kinds of jobs that never end up making it or make it after they've already had a, had a hiring. So it's too far along in the process to really only consider, Hey, when I show up into the interview or when I'm putting my resume together, how do I, how do I get across my strengths? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I think that ties beautifully to one of the big principles that we teach in career change bootcamp about how to get people to hire you when they were not even hiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or how do you get to, how to get somebody to create a position for you based on your strengths? That's I've, I've had that happen. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Now here's what I want to leave people with because we we're not going to be able to get to all of this. So I want you to go and I want you to check out the guide that we're talking about. So go get the guy, the definitive guide to getting hired based on your signature strengths. And we give you some insight into all of this from the very beginning, which is identifying your strengths, some of the best ways to do that, and all the way through the other side, which is even some of the some of the more tactical type stuff, which is, hey, how do you answer that question in a really, really unique way to you that does showcase your strengths when they ask, hey, what are your strengths? So tell me about those. What are your weaknesses? Those types of things. So we've got all of that in the in the guide. Go over to Happen to Your Career, check it out, click on guides, and that'll that'll get you there. You can you can download it and that will be that'll be particularly helpful if you found any of this and what we've talked about helpful today. Lisa you are phenomenal. I truly appreciate you taking the time and making the time. And thanks for coming on again, by the way. Of course. Happy to. I love getting to chat with the HTYC family. And I know I learn so much every time we, we talk. So this has been awesome. Hey, I hope you absolutely love that. If you are ready to take a calculated risk on yourself and put yourself outside of your comfort zone to find out what really fits you, that's where I want you to check out our free eight-day course to figure it out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to guide you through the steps to actually get started in understanding yourself enough so that you can make this change and then make a decision at the end of it. Okay, so here's all you have to do is you can just pause this right now and actually text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. That's it. Just text HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. Or you can go over and visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. I want you to also take a listen to what we've got coming up next time on the Happen to Your Career podcast. They don't necessarily know exactly what they want to be doing. They've got some ideas of what uh, what's not so exciting about their current situation, right? But they're not necessarily sure what they would like to do and how they want to spend their time differently. Yeah. Oh, all the time. And I mean, I feel like I was facing that same problem when I was thinking about my own career change. I knew I didn't want to do digital marketing. And I said, I'm going to go become a mental health therapist. All right, all that and more next week on Happen to Your Career. We will absolutely see you then, or at least, you know, hear you then. All right, talk to y'all later. I'm out.
this is actually this is normal. Oh, I knew there was gonna be a test. Oh. Do, 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 do. You're just giving me a chance to drink tea over here, so you don't have to apologize to me for anything. I am I am 54. If I could reach through the internet and give you like a high five or a pat on the back for all that you've accomplished, I would do that because that's pretty phenomenal. This is proof positive that anytime I ignore my gut, it's always bad. My spidey sense was tingling. How old are you? It's a pretty direct question to ask a lady. I know, but I like making fun of myself. I want to know what direction you want to be wrong in. This is a dangerous game.